1: Celtics Stuff Live, with your hosts, Justin Pullen and John Duke.
0: Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics, who are undefeated in the postseason. Yep, 102-99, Game 2 victory over the Raptors. Smurf, I just bah that uh, you know he hits two <laughs> then he hits the third then he hits the fourth then he takes the fifth <laughs> like they they're like i literally had just texted you looks like the raptors are pulling away and then the next thing you know he saves them and and that is a perfect example of live and die by the three because you know my frustration with that stretch right before that happened was you're taking too many threes you're not attacking Toronto's getting in transition and they're going right right at you at the cup and you're not returning the favor and you're not going to get respect from the issue, the officials you know it, it's late in the game this goes downhill from here and the next thing you know he's just unconscious unconscious John
1: Absolutely I mean it's this is a game where you know things were not going great the folks did not play well at all and this was like the will to win. Like they just had, they just wanted it more. You know, I thought going into tonight's game, I thought, well, you know, Toronto knows they need to win this one. They really had a stinker in game one. They are going to come out hot. They're going to come out like firing. And, you know, though they played certainly better than they did in game one, they didn't play that great generally. And the Celtics still were in it, even though, you know, they really played poorly. And then Marcus Smart said, uh, did you say you needed winning plays? And, uh, Brad Stevens said, I believe I do. And then Marcus smart said, uh, let me just do what I do. And then he went bang, bang, bang. And then the whole game was over and now we're up to, 0 and, uh, you know, I'm starting to make plans for trips to Milwaukee for the car. No, I'm just kidding. Whatever. Yeah, I was so just going to say,
0: we're up 2-0, <laughs> and we're going back to Boston, baby. Like, that's the ridiculousness <laughs> yeah, right. of this, right? You totally read my mind. You're like, I'm packing my bags from Milwaukee. I'm like, no, we're heading home to Boston. Uh, yeah, that's what's right. really wild, it, this home court advantage or the lack thereof. and And we know in Boston it'd be disgusting, and it is a disgusting advantage, for the Celtics. And I'm not trying to put down the Raptors fan base. I'm just saying it, all home fans created equal, even with a big, uh, I mean, with a repeat, you know, uh, on the, you know, on the horizon and an attempt at, you know, fans are definitely all over the Raptors and it's a strong fan base. Don't get me wrong, especially, you know, in Canada, like impressive. Other teams have tried to make it in Canada and have not. So, I'm definitely not taking a shot at the fan base. I'm just saying there's no place like Boston. And so you got to give that the edge. But in this scenario, them not playing on the road for these first two games and just, you know, crushing it with the will to win. Just like you said, absolutely amazing. The thing about this game too, as ugly as it was, it's probably one of the most enjoyable playoff games that I've ever watched with the Celtics. Um, And what I really mean by that isn't, you know, the most climactic points going down the stretch. And, you know, the technical was kind of an ugly look, but it is what it is. It was actually just the pace of play. And I thought to myself, not not really so much when the Celtics first, you know, kind of spotted Toronto a lead. But even after that, when it was a little more equal, I was like, the pace of this game is Toronto's pace. Like, the Celtics aren't playing... Their pace right now, they're up tempo and and they have moments where they do that, but you know what I mean, John? It's not like they're up and down the floor, but I loved it, and I remember telling you when I said, no, I want the youth movement, you know, I don't want Kyrie. My whole point for that was let's get up and down the floor, let's get in transition, let's go up tempo, and there's periods where they do that, but then there's periods like we saw leading up to smart where they just start settling on offense for three-pointers and just trying to lock it down on the defensive end of the court to get the edge. And uh, I I really had fun and especially once the time lord came in. And and I love the time lord as, as almost as much as you do. So I'm not even going to steal that from you. I'm just going to I'm going to give you the effusive praise opportunity for the time lord because that is some fun shit.
1: That, it's amazing. It's amazing how fun it is to watch that guy play basketball. And, and you know, he, he didn't have uh, the run in the second half that he had in the first half. But what a game changer, you know, when that guy goes in. You know, even Doris and uh, Dave Ashford were you know, when that time when, when Tice got kind of blocked at the rim by, it might have been Siakam and, and Ibaka, um, you know, she, Doris is like, you know, if that's Time Lord, he's he's throwing that down. And first of all, how great is the Time Lord nickname is now, you know, it's, it's, it's national at this point. So praise be to the riffs, man, on that one. But I, I, like he, he just changes the geometry of the court in a way for the Celtics that we haven't had. And, you know, Tice can get up. This is not to say that Tice is earthbound. Um, you know, he's, he has certainly more ups than, than, a, than a Grant Williams or Lord, a, a Cantor. But the geometry, you know, in, in the same way that you look at guys like, You know, not in the same way, but in a a way in which they change the way the game is played because of the angles are different. Where you can throw a ball is different. Where what you have to defend is different. He offers a a completely different dynamic to that Celtic offense. Um, You know, and and if he can play even adequate, you know, defense where he can play good position defense, um, you know, kind of where the place that, that Grant Williams was able to or earn and, and own in that fourth quarter, other than that double of Siakam, which I still don't understand. Apart from that, I mean, if he can get to that place, that guy is like borderline all-star material, I mean, really. I mean, it was so impressive. And, you know, I, I just – you can't say enough about that. If you can get those types of performances from Time Lord, the team's not playing well, and, and his his effort there, particularly in that first quarter, started the second that was what kept him, what kind of kept them alive in some, in some parts. So, I mean, just – I mean, you can't say enough about it. And, and it's the one area of the team where you can't figure out where they're going to – where they need to have some of, of a boost. Kemba was horrendous up until that point. And, again, it was time lord. And, and then, oh, sneakily, uh, you know, Jason Tatum was, was really pouring it on. A little bit here and there, a little bit here and there. And you look back and say, oh, God, these guys got 27 points to start the, the third quarter. You know, but but time the the thing that to me that stood out in terms of the chemistry, the energy of the team, it was that stint with Time Lord there and the, that first quarter that really I thought kind of helped. Oh, to he picked them out, up. They were yeah. so
0: pumped. And and really up until I think the first shot he missed was a free throw. You know, but um, but then but the guy basically didn't miss a shot in game one. Comes in in game two, elevates and, and that put that that put-back dunk where he came right oh. up the middle. And Ooh. and then it's like, oh, he hit his back and he's hurt and whatever. But the dunks and the ferocity, like his level of confidence. And we talked about this, I don't know if it was last week's show or the one before, but just how he's come back like a second-year player, you know, or like a, a player with another offseason season you know, coming into the postseason, it's been incredible. But he's he's a different player, and I know he was dealing with some injury stuff this year, and he had impactful moments, but he's starting to have a little veteran swagger, you know, at least from what we saw in this game. He's He's displayed the shot blocking and the passing ability very early on, but he was passing up opportunities to hit shots that he never should have been passing up. How many times did he basically give up on a really good opportunity to get a fairly easy score, especially with his athleticism. And I almost feel like Kemba Walker with the way that they're working that like pick and roll with a delay role, the way that they've done that has really helped Robert feel much more confident in the way that he's playing out there. And really we can go center by committee. When you look at Grant Williams coming in and, Uh, everything else it's very they've gone very deep with the bench and that was one of our number one things was not sure the Celtics club especially with Hayward out and and we were kind of counting on Lowry being out to shore things up with the bench factor and Toronto's bench still has played pretty well you know considering they've gone pretty deep I'm just surprised at how deep Brad Stevens has gone Great job coaching, especially against a really good coach, and Nick Nurse as well, Uh, Coach of the Year, obviously, so he's getting the recognition for that. But the way he's just plugging a couple of different looks, and he said in the post-game conference, we're just going to throw big bodies at him. We're just going to throw big bodies at him. And and I remember when Gasol fouled out, Twitter blew up and said, oh, man, I'm not even sure that's a good thing. Tatum's (laughs) been eating his lunch, you know. I said it too. Right. Everybody did. And and I joked before we went on air, you know, hey, Mark Gasol, you're too old. Let go. Nobody listens to techno. You know, like this guy seriously is washed up. And I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. And I, I get that that's their guy in the middle. That's their beef. But I would be very surprised after the way they played the game after he fouled out if he doesn't get taken out of the starting lineup and they don't go super small because when they were having success in that first quarter against Boston, you know, it was an tempo style of play and they forced Boston into a lot of turnovers. Boston got carried away with it. Cause I think they like to play tempo. I think it's Brad that actually tries to reel them in. I'd be very surprised if Nick, Nick nurse doesn't make that adjustment for game three. Cause if he can get, if he can get one back, you know, because we really aren't going back to Boston, it, 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 you can really just no home home court advantage here. If he can steal one in game three and get a secret sauce against the Celtics, especially as as much as the Celtics struggled, you know, he's got something figured out. I just hope he doesn't latch on to it and really give them fits.
1: Well, <laughs> I, the, in terms of giving – you know, we talked about giving fits. I mean, I, I – Every time that Fred Van Vliet touches the ball behind the three point line, I, I get agitated about it. I just, he, he, he scares me. I just, I've seen watching yeah. him play in that, those finals. Um, you want to talk about giving me fits. That's the guy that scares me the most because if that guy gets hot, that, you know, the season, the series can, can turn really quick. He has not to this point. Uh, you know there was some better shooting tonight by by toronto and you know i, I think that was expected after they shot they were lighting it, it up
0: from outside there was a stretch yeah. there where they were unconscious and couldn't miss it and it's funny too the game two slow starts like they did that against philly too it's almost like we got to win and then eh, and it's like no they got to put their pedal down do you feel like this series is like teetering on sweep versus 7 like it goes, it's like if it, I almost feel like if Toronto punches back and gets one, then it, then it could go to seven, like sneaky, sneaky that way. But then on the other hand, it's like Boston played like crap tonight. What if what yeah. if they won the first eight games of the playoffs before they go and match up against Milwaukee? And you know, I'm hoping Milwaukee gets drug out a little bit so the Celtics can rest up and you know and and, and give Gordon Hayward time and and let me ask you this does gordon hayward come off the bench based on the way that smart is playing
1: i don't think so i don't think you mess with that i think marcus smart is marcus smart no matter when you play him you play him 30 seconds you play him you know 35 minutes i think he's still the same guy uh i don't i don't think i would change i would i don't think i would change that um you know I think you still stick with what you got and, and, you know, in terms of Hayward, but that depends upon his ability to play. I mean, what, you know, with usually with a, with an ankle injury, you're talking about somebody who, you know, they're limited, but you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, you kind of limit their, their minutes, you know, usually on an ankle. I, I think you usually just, you know, you try to make it, make it happen. So it's a conditioning thing, I guess, more than anything. Uh, so I, no, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd keep him probably put him back, right back. You in the might spring. just
0: reduce his minutes a little bit. Yeah, and and, and For, make sure that he's comfortable in the offense. Yep, I hear where you're going.
1: Particularly against either Miami or or Miami or yeah, Milwaukee or Miami. <laughs> <laughs> I, but,
0: Miami uh, or <laughs> Miami sounds like yeah. you have you're going right where my head is going because it sounds like you've yeah. decided who's winning that series. Last week we talked about how Miami is you know, a really good shot, you know, uh, anybody but the Celtics, the best, you know, puncher's chance of beating Milwaukee would be Miami. They win game one, 115 to 104. So that's why I think this baby's going seven. And, you know, Miami already struck, you know, and, and we've seen this before. Celtics got game one and didn't win another one. So I'm not trying to be overconfident here, but Miami's look strong to your point. So keep going with that that flow but it is possible the Celtics could play Miami and not Milwaukee as as crazy as that might have sounded you know before the big break
1: yeah absolutely I don't think I think it's likely that I think it's likely they're gonna play Milwaukee I mean even with you know Miami playing as well as they have I mean look that took a, a her, 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 oh my gosh Herculean effort there we go wow that was that was a tongue twister for me. Herculean effort from uh, from Jimmy Butler to make that happen, you know. So I, I don't think that that's you know a fait accompli that that's going to happen, but you know that Miami's going to beat them. Uh, I I still think it's going to be Milwaukee. Uh, and but either 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 circumstance, either circumstance, I think Bam is really getting
0: it done. I think Bam is getting well, it done. It's a big part of it. Yep.
1: But I just. That team is so good, Milwaukee and I, I just I can't believe that they're not going to be able to pull out three or four of those games. I don't know that they have I think both the Celtics and Miami stand as good a chance to beat Milwaukee as as the other. I don't think I think probably Miami is in some ways better situated from from a depth perspective. But I think in terms of frontline starters, the Celtics are, are a better better fit. And maybe with playoff basketball, that makes the Celtics a better chance. But either way, I, I and think... We, that,
0: and we have Ojale, who has traditionally defended pretty well. And, and when you talk about Brad's strategy to throw the big bodies at him, you know, I've said this a lot in the past. I, I get frustrated sometimes when the Celtics don't use some of their bench bigs and just use the fouls on guys who can't shoot free throws. Now... Of course, in this scenario, if they did play Milwaukee, that's not at all what I'm saying about Giannis. I mean, he can hit the free throws, but but on a different spin, I think he got to kick his ass, dude. I really do. And if you got fouls to use, you should use them all cuz he's a dominant player. And and I can see I can see where Giannis will eat Rob Williams for lunch on just his whole quickness and length like Rob does a great job at protecting the rim, especially against this Toronto team that we're watching right now. Like defensively, his positioning is good. I love how he gets his feet set on picks. So he's not getting a lot of those stupid foul calls. So fundamentally he's super sound, but I don't think that he is gonna fare very well in help coverage with Giannis going at the rack. And so um I think they're going to have to use a lot of those beefier, smaller bodies, Oja grant Williams. And I, I think they just got to, he's going to be hard to wear down, but I, I think they got to use their fouls and kick his ass. That's literally well, yeah. what I think they got to
1: do. It's, it's hacky Giannis. I, I really think if the Celtics are in that, so position, you agree. Yeah. You, you gotta go hacky Giannis. We've seen him not be able to make free throws in key stretches of games. Uh you know, throughout this season, whether it was you know the, the season opener, well, no, the second game of the season, uh, or or you know, um, you know, really any of the games we played, Milwaukee, uh, you know, he struggles. That's just bottom line the way he works. So, put him on the line, make him earn them, and you know, see how it goes. I mean, I'd rather do that with a strong player um, playing big. Um, let him shoot. You know, give him anything within fifteen feet. You've got a body on him, but outside fifteen feet, you know, you you really can can give him a little bit more room. Of course, the problem is if he starts setting screens, then you know, then you've got their open shooters kind of working it. But
0: you know, I, I <laughs> you got to have a help defender that's ready to commit yeah. the foul. Just like you said, you know, what what we don't want to have happen is he get lo- he gets lots of and ones. The the key is if you're gonna foul him and and use him, you you got to do it away from the basket, and you got to be ready when you know bef- before the elbows and all of that as he's making the you know the sweep move with the ball as he's getting to the rim. You got to hit him pretty early, as soon as he starts driving, you know, and and he takes that picks up his dribble. That's when you got to hit him. Like there could be no opportunity for him to lay the ball in and go to the line for the and one. And so that's why the strategy, I think has to be, we're gonna use these fouls. Like you're gonna tell him,, yeah. I don't care if you get the foul. Your job is to go frustrate the crap out of him and make him, like you said, earn every point. and we're not gonna do the and one game. You're gonna hit him early. As soon as you know he's going into a drive uh, and and taking that first step, Clock him, clock him.
1: I think I think Grant I and mean, boy, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Huh? We still got two more games to win in this series. But <laughs> you know, but you know, I think Grant is somebody who deserves more of a chance than he's gotten so far. Uh, you know, I think I would put candor on him at times. Truthfully, I, you know, the thing that I don't like is the I, I think Brooke, um You know, when you're starting your your starters. Yeah. Uh, you know what I liked about Rob being out there. I'm not worried about Rob getting bullied against, um, you know, the, the Bucks. You know, I don't know that I put him on Giannis, but but you know, they're other big. No, if you, you if wouldn't
0: you... put him on Giannis. I just don't know how quick he's going to be to provide the help coverage. But we're not getting totally ahead mm-hmm. of ourselves. We're talking about the strategy in the Raptors series right now. What Brad's doing with the depth in the yeah. bench and how you would up the Annie against milwaukee with that same strategy because he seems so super comfortable using these young bigs and so it seems like they listen to him they know what he wants them to do and i see where he can direct them you know in a series like that too and and especially where you were going just as we finished this thought about the bucks where you were going with lopez and and rob i think rob will do fine against lopez but he's got that range and that's where it makes it even harder if Rob's got to rotate and provide, you know, the second defender when Giannis drives. That's where we run into into problems with Rob, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, the other thing about Rob, you know, is is that his, and we, you really saw it in Game One. I thought against Toronto, there were a number of instances where you know the switch occurs and he's got to recover and his ability to close out and still contest from really, really, really far away because the guy can jump so damn high. The length of the jumping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really have to, I mean, if he's at the elbow and you're taking above the break three, you've got to concern yourself that he's going to block that shot. There aren't many guys you have to worry about. I don't know if there are any, frankly, uh, in the league. Maybe Giannis is the only other guy I can think of. Um, that that have that ability, you know. So that's that's something that I'm also, you know, keeping an eye on, is that, you know, with the way that Milwaukee either shoots the three or deals with Giannis, um, you know, his ability to kind of make those contests uh, an issue, I think is is really, really uh, helpful for the Celtics, uh, you know, T&D. So, yeah. Yeah, you're... Tice
0: does so many things well, but that's just not really – That you know, he just doesn't have that same length and leaping.
1: It's the same thing as like with a putback, you know, like Tice is fine, like he's good, he's you know, he's probably above average in that category. But compare him to the Time Lord, and you know, I that's a tough comparison for anybody, so um, not the same, yeah. And and so so that's why I bring
0: well, yeah, and that's why I bring up Time Lord's ability to set screens without moving his feet and getting in trouble because you know they want to pick on him for that you know they want to go get him because he's young they want to call him he's just been so purposeful in the way that he has set those screens um, not moving his hips or his legs or his body and just planting those feet and he's letting the guards use it for what it is and that's something that's really strong with Tice the more He does that, and the thing is, is Tice is at a a whole other level because he'll set that first screen, and then he'll slip, and he'll set another Mm -hmm. one. And and the way you watch Tatum, you know, work to get a shot off in the paint because of the way that Tice is just making – he's almost like Tom Brady in the pocket. The way that – you know, Tom wasn't super fast or anything like that, but the way he can make subtle moves in the pocket – you know, always gave him room to get a throw off. That's kind of what I feel like Tice does. He moves in all those subtle ways, but he knows right where he needs to be. And instead of, you know, Tom doing it for himself, Tice is doing it a lot of times for Tatum, but also, you know, Kemba when Kemba can get into the paint too. You know, another player that you and I talked about that we thought we would see a lot, and we've seen a, a lot of young players. But one that we thought would be really critical with Hayward's absence, we really haven't seen at all, which is Romeo Langford, which is kind of – I don't want to say it's surprising, but there is a world, you know, and, and Romeo's definitely shown some ability. He hit a big three in the last series. Uh, he's shown some ability here. I think he's a better player than anybody maybe anticipated, especially, again, we hear this with a Celtics young player, defensively shown to be very capable and know his role. But there's a world in the not-too-distant future, and I don't know if all the the uh, rookie contracts and everything will line up, but there's a world where you have Marcus Smart, Romeo Langford, Brown, Tatum, and Time Lord all around their mid-20s in the starting lineup with, thanks to Marcus Smart, supreme switchability. You've got shot blocking. You've got rebounding you've got closing out from your big and you've got two stud defenders on the wing maybe a third with langford and then you've got smart i mean just think about you know these you know these players have offense brown's offense has come a lot further than anybody ever thought it could time lords get all the inside easy dunks and Marcus Smart probably isn't going to hit, you know, four or five threes in a row all the time. He's still going to be Marcus Smart, but he's a great, but he's a great facilitator. You know, I really hope we get to see that. And and it's not because I'm trying to shuttle Hayward and Kemba off. I'm just saying like, can you imagine that we've had the years we've had in the playoffs recently and then somewhere in the future we've got a bunch of mid 20s Guys that have roster construction that is absolutely disgusting, with trip after trip to the Eastern Conference Finals and/or the Finals under their belts, pedigree, confidence, experience, length. I mean, seriously, that lineup we just described—they could pretty much switch on anybody, and they're not going to lose a lot.
1: Yeah, that's no. You're absolutely right. I mean, (laughs) they're. I mean. When you're the you know the Raptors, or, and you're hunting, you're hunting, trying to find the right matchup, find the right matchup, right? And even when you get to, even when they, if they are able to get it over to like Kemba, you know the Celtics are smart enough with Brad and running the right schemes that he's not getting stuck on that guy. So even if if you know you you luck out, I guess, right? You know you've got between the switchability and the scheme, it's all there, right? I mean you're. <laughs> You put the coach with those players, and, you know, you figure you've got to, a run for a while. I was listening to Don't Laugh, the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, and <laughs> how far day, did you make
0: it? Two minutes? Well, or, like, it, how it, did that go?
1: It, it, Which has now become the, hey, guess what I saw lately podcast, which basically every Sunday night he records with Russillo and says how much, you know, this fill in the Bank player is the top, you know, top three in his position, like every friggin' Sunday. It's like, dude, you just saw the game and the guy played well. Like ease up on the, you know, there's like seven days of games here. You know, maybe there's more than just that to think about. But anyway, um, so he was talking about like, <laughs> maybe this is the last window for the Celtics. Like they got to do it this year or next year. It'll be because of Halo's contract.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So the, stop his it.
1: Contract and all that. Right. I mean, first of all, they're doing this without Hayward, so that's you know that seems rather important, right? And and f- to that point, right? You've got young players; those are the guys that are making the difference. You know, if you can turn Hayward, Hayward's money into, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, another big, uh, you know, and maybe a backup point guard who can score a little bit behind Kemba, um, you know, basically in the watermaker role, and you get some of these rookies to fit in, whether it's a Grant and a Romeo or whoever, um, you know, you hit on a couple of those guys and that's all you need. You've got contentions for five years. Easy. And, and, and that's to get you through, you know, the, the rookie extensions for Jalen and Jason. I mean, the one that I'm thinking about tonight, to your point of just saying this, <laughs> how much do you have to pay Marcus Smart in, in uh, a year and a half? Yeah. <laughs> or a year, you know? Because that contract's coming due now. I mean, I guess maybe it's two years, but... Um, I gotta look that up now that I'm now that i brought it up, I, I probably should should know how many
0: how It was a four year contract and I think he signed it two years ago. So he's got two seasons left. And I right and doesn't won't Rob Williams come up? Yeah. They'll probably give him the fourth year of that deal, right? So, so, he's so gonna, we'll, yeah, he's, will he's Rob and Smart years. come up the same year? Yeah, but I think they come up the same year then, right? Not Rob or no. Not no, because yeah. they'll give him the fourth year and he'll come up the year after. That's right. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. So Smart's got two more years left after this at thirteen and fourteen million. You know now you're gonna max out Tatum for sure. You know, um, but you know you're. <laughs> Jesus, I mean Smart Tatum Brown, and if if the Time Lord thing is real, and I, I haven't seen any reason not to think it's real, you've got Kemba for for three more. Well, at least two more years. Basically the same time that Marcus Smart's around. Um, so when Kemba's money starts to come off, if he doesn't take his player option, which he probably will at that point, but uh, you know you've got basically the Marcus Smart money's right there. I mean they're set up. I don't I don't see that. And and oh by the way, let's look at everybody else. So look at look at Toronto, right? You think Lowry's going to be the same player in a year or two or three? Gasol has already got a fork out of his back. Ibaka's got real questionable future. So what are Philly's they
0: about to blow it up. Philly's you know, and 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 seriously, I don't even think Durant and Kyrie can stay healthy that long.
1: Oh, right. That's all. You, yeah. I, yeah. And that was just like, that's going to be a dynasty. I mean, if they get the right third player, maybe. But I mean, look, if you're going to bank on the the, <laughs> the leadership abilities of Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant, I think you got I think you're up the wrong tree. Right? Boy,
0: it will so, be fun next postseason, though. Oh. You know, it, it, you know, just that the Kyrie and then and whatever leftover bad blood with Giannis. You know, even if even if Philly does blow it up and Toronto, you really only need a three team bad blooded race in the East to make it interesting with a few punchers chance like Miami. You know, to to mix it up.
1: Totally. I mean, in Milwaukee and
0: Indiana's going to be better too, right? Because Oladipo is going to be
1: fully healthy. Yeah, maybe because okay, so you fire your coach, you know, you give him an extension, then a week later you fire him. That's weird, right? You still got <laughs> Miles Turner and uh, Sabonis basically playing the same position. You got Oladipo, who's going to be a free agent next year. Uh, I mean, there's there's some big decisions to be made there with the Pacers. And, you know, the box. I mean, again, Giannis is going to be great for a long time. He's going to be an MVP candidate. I mean, he's, you know, if he ever figures out the shoot, look out for the rest of us. But the rest of the team around him, I mean, Middleton is, is a younger player um, making good money. So that's fine. But the rest of it, Eric Bledsoe has been really not good for most of his playoff career. Brooke Lopez Decent salary, but you know, again, getting up there. George Hill, same idea. Sova's. Do you think
0: Giannis thing. leaves Milwaukee? I, I mean, that's the biggest question. I don't think so. I really don't think you so. Think he'll be loyal?
1: I think he will. I think he'll want to stay. He's a different guy. I don't think. I don't think he's the type of guy that's like, oh, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going oh, go to go. he's not
0: LeBron. Or yeah, yeah. Or,
1: yeah. I think he's a guy. Yeah, I think he's a guy that kind of. Excuse that kind of idea. I think he—he's he's a Garnett.
0: School. You're saying he's a Garnett,
1: totally, totally. You know, he, even Much if they
0: can't school. get him to the championship, you know, after this initial run, you know, and, and it was harder on Garrett Garnett, obviously, than it is on oh, yeah. Giannis right now, for sure. But the point yeah, yeah, being, yeah. if if he can't get the pieces around him, you know, they get him spree well, then uh, he's gonna really. M- still stick around anyway he's not going to go look for the the lighter light i could see that you know he gets a chance to be you know obviously luau cinder was in milwaukee but he gets a chance to be the iconic face of that franchise um with with many years ahead of him right um so if he has that loyalty you know he's kind of Gar- what Garnett was to Minnesota, even if he left in the twilight. You know, but outside of that, if he if he really spent the bulk of his years trying to get him where they needed to go, be in the face, you know, that's that's a legacy to leave behind. You, you stick him in Miami or New York or L. A. even in even Boston to some degree. Now that he's already started with Milwaukee it's just not gonna have I'm not saying he would go to Boston by the way I'm just saying you have these markets that already have all these iconic figures as part of their franchise um, you know he has a chance to really make a mark on a franchise that could use one Mhm.
1: yeah mm-hmm. oh, I yeah I think so I I I just <laughs> I I look at this field I, I got you know go, kind of pulling back to the point that's Simmons was saying though, like, really? Do we really think this is the end of anything? I, you know, I think that there's a chance that Miami could could get some run. And I don't know what happens with Jimmy Butler, but does Tyler Hero step up? Does Bam become more of an offensive threat? Um, you know, Duncan Robinson has been a complete revelation. Born from born in Maine. Oh, by the way, um, you know Duncan I mean, Robinson. I think, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, York, York kid. Uh huh. Um, so you know. For, for the Celtic stuff, live folks. You know, this is uh, this is for the main main folks. Um, and then he, he moved down to New Hampshire, and then you know whatever. Um, but you know, I think you look at that that Eastern Conference in terms of you know who are you going to have to go through. To me, the two guys who are at the at the key positions, those switchability you were talking about, take on and put on top of that, Marcus Smart being Marcus Smart. Uh, and then Kemba, so when you can get that knee feeling good, and at least if he's in a position where he's able to make the big shots at the end of games for the next two years, which I think is entirely possible, um, you've got a load there to worry about. And and I think that that's really all they need to do. I think they're well set up to go beyond that period of time.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, they so are.
1: It's a dumb thing. I think it's a dumb statement by Simmons. Uh, I, and I think that there's a lot of there's age on Toronto. There's age, you know, on some of the only player of any sort of age is Kemba. You know, and yes, he's a really good player. Don't get me wrong, but like, if you look at like the, the cores of those other groups, um, you know, they're gonna if <laughs> they're gonna fall by the wayside. There, there's there's contract questions in in Toronto. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So I like where we're headed. I think they're set up well. And now you're up 2-0, and you've got a, a real shot here uh, to get to the – you're two wins away from the conference finals for, you know, the second time in three years. That's,
0: that's All right. That's... So let's let's take that. We'll take this – we'll take that and take it to close, right? So they're up 2-0. We're feeling good about the Eastern Conference finals. I can't imagine – like, remember how the Philly series went? We went to game three. You know, and, and and even in this game, you know, I thought it was not poorly officiated through most of it. It got a little, again, I think that technical is one you don't call, you know, based on the situation. I get it. It's a point of emphasis, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And and maybe this is a good lesson for Tatum, you know, because he, he's getting a little more magnified, you know, with the calls. But truth be told, there was a play where Tice got a ticky-tack, and it was on the rebound from a miss that that Tatum put up. But the truth is, is Tatum was fouled twice on that drive, and no call, tons of contact. And then Tice gets this ticky-tack underneath the rim. It is so frustrating to watch, and then you know they throw the technical. And, and so the NBA is always good for – keeping it close down the stretch and making sure those ratings are great. But I thought for the most part, the game wasn't that, I didn't really have a problem with the officiating until midway through the fourth quarter. You know, there was, there was, it was just got a little, little weird there for a while. But, um, but as we look to game three and I remember how it went with Philly, they're going to be allowed to be really physical. The team that's down to Oh, gets away with a ton more, than the team that's up 2 0. So get ready for a physical matchup. Get ready for lots of, of non calls. And the Celtics got to grunt that one out. What I'm hoping for is that Kemba Walker doesn't start the game one for eight. And uh, Tatum continues to do what he does. Brown continues to do what he does. And then, you know, hopefully Time Lord will will be able to continue to influence the game. And and Tice, honestly, did not have an awesome game, too, uh, either. And and I and I don't think that this Raptors club is really outmatching him that much, but I'll be interested to see what the adjustments are because uh, if the Raptors do go smaller like I'm projecting because of the gazal and what they saw at the end of this game, if they do go small, it's actually going to help Tice out a little bit. It will make that big man by committee for the Celtics have a little bit easier go of it.
1: I mean, I I thought really their their best lineup was to. I mean, I think that you could also see Siakam play the five, but if you do that, then the Celtics just they roll basically their same lineup, and then yeah, you can play it pull out Siakam, but I I. I I don't think I don't think that Toronto has an answer. I really don't. I mean, I think they're going to try a lot of stuff. They ran a lot of zone looks tonight, um, and and a, though Tatum had a great scoring night, I, I still think there's more room for him. There's more room for Jalen. I mean, yeah. this this feels uh, this is you know you said this to lead the show. This feels to me, and I, I, I'm not trying to say that they're as good as this team. But this feels to me like oh wait, in that there's times when they play. They just find a they, way
0: to win, even when they right. suck. Yes.
1: Right. Right. You, you just feel like the matchups benefit them. They just have another gear to go to that if they can find it, this thing is is going. You know, they're, the gonna, they're chemistry.
0: Gonna the yeah. Chemistry on this club is probably the best I've ever seen it. Yep. Would you agree?
1: maybe as good as 08 to talk about chemistry. That was a team with a hell
0: of a lot. They did have a lot of chemistry, but even then behind the scenes, things were beginning to brew, you know, and maybe, and maybe that's here too. But I just think that, I think that they're I think they already had great chemistry, but I think they're, they're really benefiting from this almost like fraternity house style setting. Where they're just invested in each other. You know, think about the teams that have some of that animosity already on them, but they're being pros, and then take away their family, take away their nightlife, take away, right? You just that whole like, and I think we did talk about it before things got started, you know, even the yeah, seating games, did. that this was going to be an advantage for the Celtics because they already like each other. And they're going to like each other even more. And it's amazing to see how much confidence they have. I mean, look at the opportunity they give Rob. Even uh, I think there was a a play tonight where it was, I think it was a three on two. It was kind of a break. I can't remember who was running it with Tatum, but Tatum received a pass. I want to say it was, it might've been Wanamaker, but it could have been Brown but then Tatum just dishes it off to Grant Williams to get the easy two. Um those are the kinds of things that that clubs with so-so chemistry and a young player, no matter how nice that young player is, you know, Tatum's going to go up for it. Maybe he gets a foul, maybe not, you know, and if he doesn't get the foul or it doesn't get the foul call, maybe it doesn't drop in and instead they're just constantly looking to give somebody else on the team something to live for, something to be part of. And and you can really, I mean, even Vincent Poirier sitting, like how many close-ups do we get because there's no fans in the arena of, of good old Vincent getting no minutes except at the very end of a blowout? He's one of the happiest guys on the bench through this whole thing.
1: Kid too. In these yeah, Ganner doesn't Didn't even give a shit minute.
0: he's not playing. That's right. Right.
1: Good teammates. Good teammates up and down the roster. You know, that makes a big difference. It really does. You know, but it also <laughs> it also speaks to leadership too. <laughs> you, know, you know, a lot of these guys are the same guys as last year, but the leadership of this team, you know, it's canvas smile. It's hey, I'm good, but hey, we're gonna go to go get there together. You know, and and so you got to give you give credit to those guys one through seventeen. You give credit to Kemba for setting that tone as a veteran leader. You know, and and the Jays for kind of you know really kind of stepping up as players. I mean, I, I got to give uh, a bit of some some credit to Chris Mannix who had a nice little article talking about Jason and Jalen. Really hard to get a lot out of that because of just the way that they are. Um, basically, it was a lot private, of, like, no, private, we get along, yes. right. We get along. Uh, we're cool together, but you know, what kind of strikes me is a lot of this is uh, um, it, it reminds me a lot of like Larry and Kevin and, you know, Larry was, um, you know, he had his style, you know, but he had respect for Kevin. And I think, you know, I've talked about this a lot on the show, and this is what I kind of think about. It all lines up, just as we said. But in terms of personality, can you get along? Durant and Westbrook ended up not being able to get along. But if, if Tatum and Brown can be like, look, I'm not you, you're not me, you do something different, which you is, but there's respect for what the other guy does, they don't have to be the same guy. They don't have to be best Especially friends. Especially because it makes
0: the other one better.
1: Exactly. And I think that they see that, you know. They, they don't talk like, hey, we're hanging out all the time. I mean, look at Rondo and, and, and Ray Allen. I mean, they were You
0: don't want together. them hanging out all the time you because eventually but. they'll wear each other out.
1: Exactly. So, you know, that's almost what you need. You almost need your best players to be cool with each other. Quote, unquote, cool with each other. Not my words. That's Jalen's words. But, you know they you know he's like hey' I'm the I'm the, out there. I'm the guy talking about all this stuff. I know he's okay with it you know he agrees with what I'm saying that's just not him you know but on the other hand there's stuff that, that Jason does that is not Jalen you know and, and it seems like it works right now and as long as I can keep working, I think Brad Stevens just just laughs maniacally when he's trying to game plan for the other team because he's <laughs> know he's got more answers than the other guy does. Even the great Nick Nurse is is like, geez, what do I do with these guys? <laughs> I love it. I mean, we're in a great, a great setup now. Now we just, you know, now let's see how far we can go with it. You know, can we, can we close up this series in five or six games, give ourselves a little bit of time to rest for whomever, uh, Miami or Milwaukee? And, uh, and they started you know, their
0: series a game ahead of us. So you really do want five games or a sweep uh, if you want to get a little bit of rest. And I'll add this.
1: No, they started after. They started after us.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. They started the day after. My bad. That's right. They started the day after because their game two is tomorrow. We're obviously recording this kind of post game right now. So Uh, you're right. They started after. So if we could get, you know, three, four, five days because and this is we'll end on this to just emphasize that point. Before this series started, we were talking about how physical the Philly series was. And I was like, I just think they're going to find things so much easier against Toronto because it's not as physical. Even though Toronto, better shooting teams, shooting from outside, much more prone to runs and throwing points up on the board. I think the Celtics are just going to find that they can get more freedom on the floor and they're gonna enjoy that. So what I love is is Philly obviously a mess without Simmons. They get that physical beating. They've hit the floor a little bit. They've gotten banged up. You know Gasol threw a leg at at Smart tonight, and you could tell he kind of got a little hip Charlie horse. But I think they're like kind of like nothing like Philly, man. Nothing like Philly. And yeah. and which is great because it's not gonna be as physically. If they're not going to get as physically banged up in this series, but they've been battle tested with it. So they're hardened already. Mm -hmm. They've got two completely different styles and they've adjusted and Brad's tinkered with the lineup. So they're feeling confident. You know, they've been in the zone defense against Philly. They've done all these different things and you know, they'll get a perfect blend of the two when they get to Milwaukee, but boy, wouldn't it be great to have maybe four or five days of rest to just get those yeah. minor aches and pains cleared up. Because even Kemba was a little scary in game one. I was a little worried that that bulky knee was going to kill us. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it, truth be told, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, they could be shooting him up with some serious injections into that knee, just yeah. hoping as long as it stays stable – they got a shot down there. <laughs> I mean, we have no idea, man. We have no idea, but he could be getting some NFL treatment, as far as we know.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Well, you know, when he banged that knee up, it worried me. When I saw him play the first few quarters, I was frightened. Uh, the fourth quarter did make me feel a lot better. Um, let's see how it how it goes. You know, maybe it's a bruise and it just kind of gets better in time. Those things just kind of do their thing, but. Yeah, he still he,
0: seemed to be moving fine, but then you had to question when he couldn't hit shots if he didn't have the lift. Was that what was was that what was going on in your head too?
1: Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was the lift. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was he was getting where he needed to go, but
0: I also thought defensively. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, but I also I want to give credit to. I thought the Toronto defense they had a much better purpose tonight. You know, I think that playing against the Nets really worked against them, you know, that was, they they had a soft
0: target. Yeah. They had a soft target and they didn't get battle tested. Yeah.
1: Yep. It's almost like when we, you know, playing against, uh, you know, the Pacers last year, you know, that was a weakened team, no Depot, you know, you really didn't get the test that you need in the first round. And then, you know, so we play one great we have, we're living off that high against Milwaukee, but we're not hardened. We're not able to withstand the big punch that's coming from and the there's
0: box. No members. bounce back. Yep. No, no bounce, bounce
1: back. back. No, no heart in that in that group, from largely from leadership. Now you got, as you said, you go through kind of the war. It was a sweep, but it was it was you know there were there were bruises uh, you know through that sweep, and now you're in a spot where you know you've you're ready for it. And I also think the Celtics have had their eye on Toronto from basically from Christmas on, they knew that this was going to be where this ended up. They were going to have to go through Toronto, and they're going to have to go through Milwaukee. Uh, we'll see if Milwaukee can hold up their end of it. But uh, I, I think Toronto is, is really um, – I think they've had an eye on them. And you know the other thing, just to say the whole Simmons thing, he thinks the Celtics are worried about playing Miami. I don't think that's the truth at all. I remember the game against Miami where they went zone and Jason Tatum went into the middle of the zone and absolutely eviscerated them from the inside. If they try that zone again and they send Tatum into the middle of it, it's over. It's a wrap. The Celtics have the best mid range percentage shooting in a league. So any team that allows the mid range shot is going to get killed. So I, Yeah,
0: I'm between fine. Kemba and Tatum oh, cool. and the little floater of Brown, you know, all they got to do is drive kick, drive kick. And, yep. and if they don't get respect, then they drive and stop. I mean, think about that shot in the fourth quarter as we wrap the show on this. Kemba drives into the paint. This is why I think he might be getting some good stuff into the knee. He drives towards the paint, sells it, breaks his own ankles with a step back. I didn't even know <laughs> the ankles could bend like that. And then leans back, gets up, done. And and that's yeah. all they got to do, keep them packed in tight, keep them out on the perimeter. And then, you know, between the two different styles of Kemba and Tatum and and Brown, if they do, you know, sort of soften up, he can just go up with the floater. They find ways to uh, get those points. So you're right. Uh, it's all. And, and remember, three and D, three and D, the mid-range game is dead. And And what's Brad doing? He's using it. The minute it's opened up, he's like, "Yeah, let's attack that shit. Let's go get that." You know, old it's old school, dude. And uh, they got I, they have great
1: yeah they have great players who take advantage of. It. I mean, really, I mean, think of think of the guys. I mean, would you you when you see Jalen, Jason, and Kemba, even Smart, really pull up in mid range? Do you ever? Are you worried? Does, does it ever crush? You think it's automatic. I mean,
0: I, I no, think but I you shouldn't be worried about it. That's what I'm saying. Like that is basketball. That's why I love it. I sure. mean, you watch sure. all the old games and I'm, I'm even talking after they put in the three point line for a long time. It still was that mid range game. I mean, that's basketball and, and you collapse the defense and then you find the soft spot, you know, and you always, in the old, old days, you always wanted to be, a closer shot was a higher percentage shot. Period. Right. And then the three-point line, uh, the three-point line came in, and then they looked at it and they're like, and even Brad subscribes to this. Like we know this is part of Brad's strategy, and Brad definitely played three and D. You know, for for I mean, think about the Jay Crowder. You know, that oh, yeah. whole era was all three and D. But but they've evolved, and you're right. The players, you know, are able to to make happened, you know, and you, but you even threw smart in there, right? And so and but I'm with you. I got no concerns with that mid-range shot, but I just love that they've evolved in that direction because there's plenty of players that can hit the mid-range in the league. I just think I think there might be something in their heads about the fact that if they shoot a lot of those mid-ranges, they almost lose the precision on the three-pointer. There's, you know, and and look at how much people are moving more and more back. And and that's kind of, I'd almost say that the fact that they can they shoot the three, you know, two, sometimes three steps back from the line, you know, just kind of says that I think the shooters are just getting better. Just overall yeah. getting better at shooting from multiple different distances, you know. And you talk about three-level scores, and I realize the Celtics have a lot of three-level scores, but I just think that the ability, it's not about, they all have spots on the floor that they get used to and they practice those and that's their spot. But I just think over the next ten years, just the way that this sport has evolved, I think I think the three level scorer is gonna become far more common than it is today.
1: Yeah. There's always a zig to the zag, right? So I think you're right. I think that's where I mean, the truly great players can live in that mid range. You know, I mean no one ever questions You know, Kawhi, he takes a lot of pull-up. You know, I mean, no one questions LeBron in that area. No one questions Anthony Davis in that area. I mean, maybe it's just because they're great players so you don't worry about it. But, man, this is a great quote. Vincent Poirier, have a Marcus Smart in your life. It will be better. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The French philosophy. You know what? Remember
0: remember the first quarter when Jalen started going off and Smart was just – how excited he was every time Jalen made a play and then he made a play. Like I don't know if you caught that in the first quarter of, uh, of this game, but um yeah, dude, he just loves the game. He loves the people around him. What energy. I like it. Have a Marcus smart in your life.
1: <laughs> I love it. It's fantastic. I also loved how he kept there's a couple different instances where I saw Marcus and he put his hands down, like put like calm down, everybody, calm down. I'm thinking Marcus Smart is telling people to calm down. This is like the, ult- the irony. That was, irony. The
0: same, that was the same time. He this was like jacking Jalen up for making yeah. good plays, and then, the, and then ESPN rolls the replay, and Smart's like, we got this, we got this, calm down, we got this. My
1: God, I love it. I love it. I love that man. He is just the best. He is the best. God he cannot ever.
0: leave Boston. He cannot. Never.
1: Never, never. I I won't allow it. (laughs) I won't allow it.
0: All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. As a reminder, you can subscribe to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Please give us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And for John, my co-host, and myself, I'm Justin Poulin, we'll say thanks to the founder and godfather of CNLS Media, Nick Gelso. Have a great week. We'll be back, hopefully after a sweep.